Hi, welcome back to Lifelong Podcast. My name is Heidi Kumjan and I'm your host. You probably know me by now, but I always love to introduce myself to those that are new here. And I wanted to shout out those that are new here because I appreciate you being here. This podcast is available on all major streaming platforms. And if you can do me a favor and hit subscribe and also leave a rating and review if you can, that would be so greatly appreciated because that helps me reach more people and help more people at no cost. The goal of this show is to make non-toxic living easy and accessible for all, and I couldn't do it without you. And as a reminder, if you want to access bonus content, be sure to follow along on Instagram at lifelong underscore pod. And also, we are now on TikTok at lifelong underscore pod. Those links will be in the show notes, but really appreciate you being here. This week's episode is so exciting because I am bringing on Cheryl Hoover, who is a registered pharmacist, a cancer survivor, a cook, author, and she's certified in plant-based nutrition. She is that rare pharmacist that wants to keep you out of the pharmacy and supplement aisles and wants you to use real food to nourish your body for optimal health. Cheryl and I had really candid conversations about our health struggles and finding the silver lining in those struggles and the fact that she worked as a pharmacist on the side of, you know, getting pills into people's hands and now she's trying to get people to use food as medicine is truly remarkable and I love what she stands for. She is super sweet super knowledgeable, and all in all, a really fantastic guest. So this conversation, it's casual, it's fun, and Cheryl does a really great job. So please join me in welcoming Cheryl Hoover. Hi, Cheryl. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Heidi? Doing super well, of course, because I get to bring you onto my podcast and talk about food as medicine and nourishment and all the things. And I'd love just right away, if you could start out by sharing your story. I came across you on Instagram and was very amazed by your background and how you got into the line of work you're in today. It seems like two totally different worlds. So if you could just share your story with the audience, I think that'd be a great place to start. Sure. It does feel like two completely different worlds. I actually started as a traditionally trained pharmacist, and I'm married to a traditionally trained doctor. He's an ear, nose, and throat surgeon. And we were just kind of doing traditional medicine as we were trained to do. I think we both went into medicine because we wanted to help people, and that's what we were trying to do. And about eight years ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And we did the traditional treatment and everything that was recommended. But when all of that was over, as they're like dismissing you for, from the can under the cancer care, just come back once a year. If anything strange, you feel anything strange or unusual, come back and we'll take a peek. But I just felt so vulnerable and I felt like I just really I wanted to do things differently than I had currently been doing them because I didn't want to go right back into that lifestyle because it really, it didn't work very well. So I started doing a lot of research on food 
And the more I read, the more I realized I really needed to put more plants in my diet. But I was so nervous about that. So I, I just wanted to make sure I was getting enough protein and really nourishing my body well, because that was the real goal was nourish your body well for overall best health. So I went back and got certified in plant-based nutrition, which has been great to have that information to lean on. And honestly, initially, I was just kind of cooking for other cancer patients and making real, whole, clean, nourishing food for them, either during or after their treatment. And I did that for years. And then I really felt like that was just casting the net quite shallowy. It needed to be cast into deeper waters because I knew from my training that if you're eating well for cancer prevention, you're also eating well to prevent all the diseases, affluence that we suffer from, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, dementia, obesity, all those things, and cancer. So I had the opportunity to write a book with a doctor here in town in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it was actually focused on brain health. Mm. But again, if you're eating well for a healthy brain, you're eating well for cancer prevention too. So that kind of just started the wheels moving. A pharmacy in your kitchen was already kind of evolving. And that just kind of really kind of was the catalyst behind it. You know, not just focusing on cancer, but all those diseases that we could be nourishing our bodies better and we aren't. So I truly, literally am probably one of the very few pharmacists who tries to keep you out of the pharmacy and the supplement aisle and actually nourishing yourself with food from your kitchen. Wow. Wow. Well, I, I love that you found your new path, even though you had to go through something so hard. You, you now are, like you said, one of the only pharmacists that are focused on using food and healing in your kitchen, whereas so many other pharmacists are not doing that. So you went through something so hard, but now you can give back and show up in a new way. And I, I love that because being someone who it's my own goal to stay out of the pharmacy and to stay off medications as much as possible. And having gone through my own health struggles and things like that, it's it's not the easy route. A quick question though, when you were working with, after your treatment and you got, in, got certified in plant-based nutrition and then you started working with individuals, was there any overlap with your pharmacy patients or I guess how did you that, how did you go from like working in the pharmacy with the actual medicines to working in the kitchen? Was there any overlap there or what was that transition? That's a great question. Actually, no, there wasn't any overlap. I had already stopped practicing traditional pharmacy okay. and was raising my girls and doing all that. Okay. I kind of eased out. I like went p- part-time and then just like one day a week and I then I totally phased out and I was just really just being a mom. But an interesting piece to the whole puzzle is when I first went to school, I did not go to pharmacy school. When I first went to school, I truly wanted to be a chef, but my father said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to send you to chef school, Mm. but I will send you to school to manage a restaurant or, or something in the food industry. And so initially when I went to college, I studied hotel restaurant management. And then two years into that, I was like, "Mm, this really isn't my thing. 
And so I switched to pharmacy. Mm. So I've always loved the kitchen. Like I've always felt like the kitchen was an should be a nourishing place for your family. It should be a wonderful, healthy place in your home. It's always been that for mm -hmm. me. And I thought that I wanted to kind of go there in the restaurant world. Mm -hmm. But it's so crazy to me how, again, all the way like full circle really yeah, to is. me. It's like now I do want people back in their homes, in their kitchens, actually really thinking about nourishing their body when they eat and not just actually just feeding, feeding the body, mm -hmm. nourishing it well. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that, that part of your story as well. I was reading about it on your website and that stood out to me. You know, it's like that passion runs really deep for you, it seems, and it is apparent. So when talking mm -hmm. about, you use this language of culinary pharmacy, like a culinary pharmacy mindset, how would you explain that to the audience? Yes, I think it's so far away from what we how we feel about food, honestly. But just a couple generations ago, maybe you have grandparents or someone that kind of had more of a mindset like this. We don't think this way anymore, but like food really is every herb, every color of every food, every phytonutrient is has specific benefits for your body. And it's not just not just to make it more flavorful, not just to make it more colorful, but we actually need all those little micronutrients. And I feel like in this country for years, all we really have ever talked about is the macronutrients. Everyone is either carbohydrate phobic or protein obsessed mm -hmm. or afraid of fats or those are all the macronutrients and we need them. Yes, we do need them, but all the really, really healthy, cancer-fighting micronutrients are what we really need to make sure we put in our meals. All the color, all the fiber. Mm -hmm. I mean, even just fiber itself is, a, is something that we're supposed to have in our daily diet. We're not supposed to need to supplement it, mm -hmm. but because our food is so void of fiber and so void of other things that we need, like the micronutrients, that's why we end up in the pharmacy, you know, supplementing with all the, the B vitamins and the stress vitamins and honestly, the- and Miralax. That's the yeah. thing. We, we, sh we shouldn't have to have that. Mm -hmm. If you need Miralax, then you're not eating enough fiber. Mm -hmm. And probably that, and that definitely means you're not eating enough plants because there's no fiber in meat. Mm -hmm. So, part of the concern with all, with all this protein obsession is, you know, the more and the more and the more and more protein you put on your plate, the fuller your body becomes, and the less room you have on your plate for all the other nutrients that you need. Yeah, want just one of them is fiber, but fiber is so important because that fuels your gut and then it's gonna you need that for healthy gut with probiotics and you you just that's just like the when you don't have enough fiber it just sets you up for just so many other things that are not going to go well mm -hmm. and uh, so yeah I mean thinking about it like that like I always tell people I try to make it simple but like of course eat the rainbow every day but I, I want I want them to think about like the rainbow on their plate every meal, really. I mean, it's so sad, but if you go out to eat or if you look what people put in their grocery cart, 
it's really void of color. So much of our diet is just brown or tan. Mm -hmm. And so all those different colors, all those different nutrients have such value. And we've forgotten that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you listen to your grandparents, they could probably, they talked more, at least my, my grandparents did. They talked more about why this certain spice or why this mm-hmm. certain herb or, you know, how they could use things that were grown locally and why they needed them at that time. Yeah. So, but we've just gotten so far away from it. I know. I, I crave growing up in those generations, you know, or my grandparents or great grandparents that grew up on the farm. And I know even my grandpa, he told me that they drank beet juice every single day. And my other grandpa like grew up with going to the farm and his grandma was on the farm and all these farm fresh vegetables and you know not to be a a downer or anything like that but nowadays it is to your point many foods are nutrient devoid and not colorful and not packed with the nutrients we didn't even mention the soil quality a lot of these that some people are buying at the you know like conventional store if it's conventional produce it's sprayed with pesticides and bad soil and like that but on a a positive note there's people like you there's people in this space that are educating folks on the importance of a clean and diverse colorful diet a little side note I went to box store yesterday which is something I seldom do I like to go to little local co-ops and foods here and there, even though I think Whole Foods is getting seen since Amazon. But I was at a big grocery store yesterday, and I'm a really observant person, kind of to a fault, where it it upsets my fiancé because I'll be so zoned out, he'll be talking to me, and then I'm like observing everyone else and listening in and looking at what people are doing. It probably sounds creepy, but I'm just observant. And when I was in this store yesterday looking at everyone's carts and what it was filled with and broke my heart because every single cart was filled with sugary, processed, chemical-filled, nutrient-devoid junk. And that, oh my goodness, what is this this world we live in? Need that now more than ever, we need people like you. We need people in this space educating folks because what I heard is that Doctors who, and no shade to doctors, I know you're you were in that space and you're married to one. So I did hear though that doctors only get a couple hours of nutrition through their entire education. So what do we do to help those people that are maybe so reliant on their doctor for nutrition information and maybe don't like how do we get those people on board with with healthy, clean eating and the importance of it and preventing these diseases like you said the diseases of affluence yeah you're absolutely right my husband I think had just a few hours back when he was in med school and residency on nutrition just a few hours and so little and and mostly honestly that was all like this is a carbohydrate this is a fat this is a protein this is how much you should have approximately every day like not not the healing powers of food mm-hmm. not not you know eat the colors that's where you know all the cancer fighting foods are none of that i do have a niece and a nephew that are recently have become doctors they are getting a little bit more education and 
on nutrition. And there are even some med schools that offer like culinary pharmacy as a, as a wow. course. They're talking about it. They're actually getting them in the kitchen. They're actually teaching them how to make the food, oh. kind of overcoming the boundaries of this is too hard. Or That's So there good. are so, some schools, that, not enough, but some are wow. doing that. Okay. Yeah. And it, it, but it's so hard. I mean, I think it's, it's like swimming upstream, honestly, because as a society have come to expect that when we go to the doctor's office, we're going to walk away with a prescription that makes us feel better. Mm -hmm. We don't necessarily want to change our lifestyle. We don't necessarily want to change our diet. We don't necessarily want to do anything different. We want the symptoms to go away and the prescription to fix it. We've evolved into that over the years, and that's kind of what the doctors do. Mm -hmm. You know, they know that they're not, the patient's not going to be happy if they don't walk away with a script. So oftentimes that happens. Mm -hmm. And then they go into the pharmacy and they get it filled and they haven't changed one thing that they're doing. Mm -hmm. And just masking the symptoms of a disease that's progressing. I'll never forget when the statins first came out when I was practicing pharmacy mm. and I would hear patients all the time. They were so excited about the statins because now they could eat whatever they wanted and mm. they didn't have to worry about it. And that's just been our mindset over the years. I mean, even with diabetes, sometimes that's how people feel. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is that the in the where all the money is to be made is in all the highly processed man-made foods. Yep that are made in a plant, not made of plants. Mm -hmm. Yeah, big <laughs> That's where food. all the money mm -hmm. is. That's where all the money is. And we, you know, we have become a, a sick society, honestly, where we don't go to the doctor as a preventative thing. We go to the doctor because we're, we're, we're sick mm -hmm. and we are sick. Mm -hmm. But this, the crazy thing about it, Heidi, is that to eat clean and nourishing whole real foods and get away from all the processed man-made things is a delicious, wonderful lifestyle. And so I, I can't even apologize for it. I mean, I, it's just so wonderful. And once your taste buds kind of get away from that whole bag of Doritos that they want us to eat, and you, you find that you can eat so much clean food and it tastes amazing. But our, even our taste buds have been tricked mm -hmm. over the years. Yeah. And some of those man-made foods, like there's chemicals that normally there's a, a satiation that happens from the brain after you eat a certain amount of food and the chewing and all that sort of thing. And, you know, some of those man-made foods, like, intentionally don't want you to stop. They want you to eat the whole bag of Doritos and not stop. And there isn't one thing in a bag of Doritos that's going to actually nourish your body. Yeah, I know. I heard of, are you familiar with natural flavors, like, quote-unquote, <laughs> natural flavors? So there's a certain type that I've researched a little bit, and they're called excitotoxins. I think it is what you were just talking about, though, where you're eating and you get this kind of fake flavor profile that excites your brain and puts it in this like addictive loop where, oh my gosh, this is so flavorful. So mm, like my mouth is watering. I need to eat more. And it's doing that. It's also messing up your brain. And I think it, it leads to kind of ADD and ADHD type symptoms and just toxic effects. So 
Absolutely. The food I mean, in these stores are filled, not all of the foods, but a lot of foods, even healthy organic foods, I'll see sometimes that it has these added flavors that are branded as natural flavors. So you think, oh, this is healthy. It says natural when in reality, it's a trade secret that have upwards of hundreds of chemicals behind that term. And then there's these different types like the excitotoxins and MSG and crazy. So the best thing to do is to eat real whole foods from the earth, which is you're preaching. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely true. It's crazy. Yeah, our bodies were not designed to metabolize or know what to do with any of those strange chemicals that, that they are putting in our food. Right. And so, you know, it causes stress on our body to be constantly trying to figure out what is this chemical and what do I do with it. Mm -hmm. And it leads to diseases and, and problems down the road. And these kids in school eating this food is very concerning because the focus and their brain development and actually their full body development is altered because a lot of them have even estrogen effects and the xenoestrogens, I think, are what they're called, the chemical like estrogens, not the good ones from like soy, but the bad ones mm -hmm. that are in food that estrogen like effects. And now there's girls I saw as young as six getting their menstrual cycle for the first time, which is not normal. No. Um, this is the world we no. live in. So what is the difference in your own words between eating and nourishing your body? So I would say most people probably just eat because they're hungry or they're craving Mexican or they saw something on the television that kind of looked exciting or they're passing by a fast food restaurant and that looks good and they turn in. That's just I'm hungry and I'm eating and you're not really, really thinking about nourishing. You're just thinking about being satiated and full and probably you've been listening to marketing and what they're telling you you should eat. And to eat to nourish your body, I, I try to tell people like eating is an opportunity to nourish your body. And you can do that three, four, five times a day, th you know, with three meals and a couple snacks. It's, it's an opportunity that you need to be taking advantage of. And if you're not taking advantage of it, then your body needs, you, you can nourish your body better. So every time I look at a recipe or, or I plan a meal, I think about all those different colors on my plates. I make sure there's a lot of real good plant fiber. I gravitate more towards the ancient grains than anything that's white and bleached and processed. I try not to have the same rainbow every day, like in other words, I try and eat a rainbow salad probably almost every day, but it's a different salad every day. So different vegetables. And the, the red comes from something different every day and the purple comes something different and just really diversity. Nutrient dense, so, so really like for the for big bang for the buck, right? You want it to be as nutrient dense as possible. And you want diversity in those nutrients, not the same nutrients every day, not the same nutrients every meal, just di different, all the different nutrients you could possibly get. And yeah, it becomes like almost a game for me. Like I I'll look at my plate and if there's one more color I could put on there that's not on there, I look in the pantry <laughs> or somewhere, I'm like, okay, there's a red, I'm pulling that in. And 
at the end of the day, it's not about calories. It's not about carbohydrates. It's really like, did I nourish my body well? And that's how one of my daughters was still living at home when I started Pharmacy in Your Kitchen. Now she's graduating from college, but she was living at home. And we didn't really talk about any of the things that you would expect, like calories, did protein, anything like that. It's like, how many colors have you had today? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about how nutrient-rich and nutrient-dense your food was. Mm-hmm. Have we had enough fiber? Um, is there is there something else we can add to our plate that would add a little bit extra something, even like something like fermented foods, yeah. you know, just like throwing a, a little bit of that into your salad and really just thinking, really think about it. How much color, how much... How much diversity, how much nutrients is my plate full of? I love that. I try to do the same. I I don't do the full-on rainbow approach, but I love that that way of thinking and know that even for the microbiome, just having that diversity and changing it up helps your gut health and, and all the things and Fermented foods, I've been on a kimchi kick, like loving kimchi and trying to make my own, but it's hasn't worked out so far. But <laughs> I'm sure you would probably make I, amazing kimchi. <laughs> I have not tried kimchi, but sauerkraut is so easy to make and so fun. Okay, how do you make it? Sauerkraut. Oh, it's so, so, so fun. So I I did invest in a crock with like a weight okay. at the time, a weighted top. Okay. And then basically you just you just shred the cabbage, add some salt, and start massaging it. Okay. And you can add seasonings if you want or not. And then you pack it down really, really – you get a damper and you tap it down really, really tightly in that crock. And then you put the weight on top oh, of it. Wow. And then you just close it up and you check on it every couple of weeks mm-hmm. or so. But all that – that just happens naturally. Like all that – the cabbage just starts the, – the juices from the salt and the massaging of the, of the cabbage just starts this natural fermentation process. Mm-hmm. That it's like, well, I did it in my basement, but it literally is like a, a science experiment in your home and so fun. Wow. Does it need to be and refrigerated super- or is the fermenting done out in room temp? So it's room temperature. Like our, I put mine down in the basement where it was just slightly, cooler. you know, list a slightly cooler, uh-huh. but yeah, wow. it's super cool. I also have made homemade kombucha. Oh, wow. And that's not that hard either but the but the only thing with that is you do need to start out with a, a scoby which is that symbiotic colony of yeast and bacteria mm-hmm. and i i just went to a, a a little class here in charlotte where they gave everybody a scoby okay. and they taught us all how to make it and went home and started making my own kombucha oh my gosh which is also a little science yeah, experiment in that's your really fun. So that's fun too yeah so those are pretty simple yeah. i think the kefir is probably a little more complicated okay huh I, yeah, I definitely need to try sauerkraut. And now thinking about, I know kimchi and sauerkraut are different, but they're both cabbage-based. I think I've given my kimchi enough time. <laughs> but we don't need to talk about it because I think I did it totally wrong. So, <laughs> but that's fun. And it's like using fun with the food and getting scientific, but also artistic. And then it's healing and it's also delicious. So it's checking all of the boxes some of your favorite most healing foods obviously with plants they they can help with different things but own opinion what are some of the top most healing foods 
So I would say two things that I try and incorporate into my diet as much as possible. It, and it is kind of from a cancer cancer prevention mindset. Yeah, but that's good. It is also from for brain health too, and like I said, all those other diseases that we suffer from. Yeah. But the berries are huge. It's probably my one exception. Like I really try and eat seasonally, but for berries, I honestly try and eat berries every day because they're little powerhouses mm-hmm. and just packed with nutrients that our body needs to stay healthy. Any kind of berry? And pretty okay. much any time. Okay. Yeah, any kind. Cool. Yep. So I definitely will buy those even if they're not in season. But the other thing that I try and incorporate is in addition to what you would expect, which would be like the green leafy vegetables, the dark greens that we always talk Mm -hmm. about, but the cruciferous vegetables, the cruciferous vegetables are really, really great for your, for everything like cancer fighting again and for brain health. That's like the cabbages and the broccolis and the Brussels sprouts and all those things that are great, just like roasted on a sheet pan. Like you don't even like, I pretty much do that every week. I just grab a bunch of vegetables, put them on a sheet pan, sprinkle with it just a little bit of oil and salt and pepper or some other spices. My new favorite spice is zatar. Oh, I Have love you- zatar. I made hummus oh, with zatar this weekend. Me too. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's amazing. So good. Yeah. Yeah. But just, you know, I try to pack in the cruciferous vegetables mm. for sure. And they are, yeah, those would be, I also love walnuts are my favorite nut. Me too. Wow. It's so good for your brain too. That's one of those foods that is shaped like the organ yes. that it that or the body part that it's good I forget for. Forget what that's a called. Walnut. There's a word for that. Is yeah. there? I don't know. They're great. Mm. Berries, cruciferous, walnuts. And mm. with the cruciferous vegetables, those are glutathione rich too, right? So they yes. help overall health and detoxification and and all of the things. Yeah, I noticed in one of your posts recently, you talked about eating, I think it was onions and was it cabbage or did you say cruciferous? I can't remember what you said, but but you mentioned that too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I really do love cruciferous vegetables. I'll jump in here for a second. When I was overcoming mold illness, like a, basically, long story short, I got sick from environmental toxins and the thing that set it off was a mold exposure in college, which I didn't know about for three and a half years. I was very sick with respiratory and neurological and a whole host of things. But anyways, when I when I found my root cause and I was healing myself using food as medicine and through a non-toxic lifestyle, you know, removing toxins as much as possible in my home and the water I drink and bathe in. Um, the pillars for me was eating cruciferous vegetables every single day because of the glutathione component and also because of their eating component. And with the mold, I was trying to bind up the mycotoxins, not to get technical here, but those are like the toxins that were in my body from the mold exposure. Those cruciferous vegetables actually like abbed on to the toxins. So even now that I've been healed, I still like to have the cruciferous veggies because it's like, let's keep the body detoxed and not in a way where it's like, oh, I'm detoxed and I'm losing weight and whatever. It's no, like our bodies need to have open detox pathways to be healthy and to prevent disease. So 
That's yes, that is so true. So you you did your research and you figured out that it was mold and you figured out what you could do to get rid of it. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, yeah, I was on my own in the sense that doctors were me off as anxious and crazy, and I knew that something more was going on. Thankfully, my mom was a great support and she's always been into natural and holistic health so I was trying all the things and nothing would budge nothing I would get a little relief from going to some type of healer because I saw every healer under the sun and love all of the healers I love all the woo-woo things I mean I saw energy healers I talked to astrologers I talked to you know I saw different chiropractors acupuncture body work and massage and all the things and I still love all of those places. No one could give me that relief that lasted long. And it was because I didn't know my root cause. And I was really just, even though I was going to these holistic healers who are wonderful and a piece of the puzzle, it, it didn't solve the problem. It didn't detox my body from the aggressive mycotoxins that had built up over time. So I had to it out, put all the puzzle pieces together. And then I finally, reading this book one day, very serendipitously, it was talking about toxins and all the different kinds. It was like heavy metals and mold and Fs and what they can cause in your body. So I, I saw visually, like here are the different toxins and here are the different symptoms. And it was the first time in year, like in all of my suffering that I saw my symptoms, like oh my gosh, yes, I have shortness of breath. Oh my gosh, I do have tics and like symptoms. Oh my gosh, I do have hormonal imbalance. Oh my gosh, I do have these weird electrical sensations. Oh my gosh. And they were such obscure symptoms that anytime I Googled, anytime I, I I was researching for three and a half years, I couldn't find the answers until I was reading this book by the grace of God one day. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a toxic burden overload in my body and I got to address this today and I 180'd all of my symptoms and healed myself and from that moment forward that was fish years ago a little over five years ago from that moment forward my whole life and mission has been reducing my toxic burden and educating people on the importance of a non-toxic lifestyle which encompasses a a non-toxic diet a non-toxic cleaners and Everything that goes in, on, and around your body should really be as toxic as possible, especially for those that have been stressed, these different illnesses and things. So that's a little blurb into my story. Sorry to jump in for a sec, but... No, I'm so happy to hear that. I mean, that's just amazing. And I feel like we both have made our mess our mission, and you completely turned around your health, which is, you know... It's hard to do when, when you're not finding anyone to support you and that you, people are dismissing you. And so I can imagine when you saw that in print for the first time, you were like, I have all of those things. Mm-hmm. And someone actually said it and printed it. It's real. I'm just amazed. I'm happy to know you, Heidi. Thank you. Yeah, likewise. It's always great meeting people that just are aligned. You know, we're, we're very aligned and we're on similar missions and we made our master mission and that's really cool you know when you're in it when you're in the thick of it like as you know you know you went through your own health thing 
Um, and, it, and it sucks and it's the worst thing. And for me at times, I, I, I didn't know how I was going to continue to live my life feeling like the way I felt. But I held the vision of knowing what I wanted in my life. And I wanted to get through college at the college I worked so hard to get into. I wanted to get a good degree. I wanted to have this successful life. And I knew that I couldn't give up. And I had to research and do everything. And keep in mind, at the time I got sick, I was 18 years old. And I was in college. And I was at a big party college. And I didn't get to have a normal life. I I really didn't. I was going home every weekend. I had to leave. My second semester of freshman year, I went home because I had to go to all these different medical doctors to do advanced testing. Thankfully, I continued online for that semester. And then I had to make the decision to go. I made the brave decision to go back to school on campus, even though I wasn't healed, but I didn't want it to control my life. So I was young and I still am, you know, I'm in my 20, mid-20s now and I don't think this lifestyle is going to go go away ever for me because it's it's really been my saving grace. Yes. Yeah. I love what you're doing and you're right. You're absolutely right. Sometimes, you know, some of the hardest phases of your life will make you make changes, you'll shift a direction, shift your path that will ultimately be, be the best path for you to be on for so, so many other reasons. The quality of your life because of the shift that you've made and how you live your life and what you promote, it's so much better because of the initial bump in the road. Absolutely. It, it really is. It really, you know, I have, I have no regrets and I I'm sure you feel the same way. The The bump in the road was a hard, it was a hard bump, but it was a redirection and, you know, life is pretty great <laughs> now. Obviously, there are hard days still, but going back to you and your line of work, I saw that you have a few different offerings, how you work with clients, and I was really curious about the pantry assessment that you do with your clients. So, when you're doing that, what are you looking for? And how do you, I guess, for those people that maybe their whole pantry is filled with junk and crap, how do you, I guess, help them feel motivated and not get overwhelmed with making some swaps? Yeah, I think it's so easy to get overwhelmed. And the last thing in the world that I want anyone that I'm working with is to feel that they can't do it. You know, it's just too hard. I can't do Mm -hmm. it. My whole mission is, you know, you don't have to do all of this tomorrow. Right. We can just, I want to start you down the path, pointed in the right direction. And we're going to take some steps. And every once in a while, you're going to backtrack a little bit. But we're going to keep going. We're going to keep point, keep you pointed in the same direction. And we're going to keep moving forward. But yeah, the pantry assessment is usually the second meeting that we have. The first one is just typically, actually, if they're local, it's in it's in my house. The pantry assessment people get so nervous about because mm. they don't want me to see what's in their pantry. <laughs> but, you know, we talk about, I give them like a, a capsule pantry list of the things that I would like for them to replace. When you, when you buy, the next time you buy this, or you think you'd like to buy this, let's replace it with something else. You don't you don't necessarily have to throw it all out today, but let's just talk about the next time we're going to actually go into the grocery store. We're going to flip the labels around. We're going to really read the ingredients. 
We're going to really look for clean and natural things. We're going to look for less processed. And I say less processed because, you know, technically, if you have an apple versus an apple that's in a bag with some citric acid, the, the apple that's been sliced up with the citric acid is technically processed because it's not in its natural state anymore. But that's not the kind of processed food I'm talking about. I'm ca- talking about like the ultra processed foods. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, they that's why the third visit some, that some people really like is for me to go to the grocery store with them. And mm. that's where we really get to spend some time in the aisles. And like, this is what you have at home, but this is what I would suggest as a nice swap. And let's look at the ingredients and read why. Because really... I can't go to the grocery store with them every week, and I really want to teach them how to be label readers. Mm -hmm. I really want them to kind of not go to the grocery store rushed. Go to the grocery store with a little bit of extra time so that you can really stand there and read the labels. Because like you mentioned earlier, there's, you know, the natural flavorings and so many other of the marketing words that are on our products, you know, just because something's vegan doesn't mean necessarily mean that it's healthy. Mm-hmm. Just because something says natural doesn't necessarily mean that it's the best that you can get and it's actually healthy for you. So I always say, no matter what the label says on the front, you flip it over to the back and you really read. Thankfully, they do have to, other than that natural flavoring thing where they sneak a lot of things in, mm-hmm. but everything else, they have to kind of say what's on the label. Yeah. That's really good. So. That that's a fun process too. I and mean, I'm I'm sure your clients really enjoy be, having you right there beside them, you know, starting out with coming over to your house and chatting and then step 2 is going over to their house and opening up their pantry doors and you know, helping them not get overwhelmed and then going right into the solutions and giving them that framework and foundation for this is what to do when you're in the grocery store. Here's what you start looking for. And I'm sure a lot of them then once they make these these switches, they realize that they're feeling better, which in turn motivates you further to spend the extra few minutes in the store and to to buy better foods for your health. So it's like a good mm-hmm. kind of snowball sometimes, I would imagine. Yeah, it really is. And if I can get them to start paying attention to their body, that is really so wonderful to see them kind of come back to me and say, you know, I've got so much more energy. I'm not supplementing with fiber. I'm My gut is happy, you know, all those things. Because we've become accustomed to not feeling well, and we've kind of forgotten how good it is to feel really, really well and not have to supplement with fiber and other things. Right. But if they if they really pay attention and and really start to notice, you, your body will speak to you and it'll say, thank you for nourishing me so well. It's mm. amazing. So Cheryl, what is the name of your book again? So the book that I wrote with the doctor here in town, yeah. it's called Healthy Living for a Sharper Mind. Okay. And it's the first half of the book is actually written from his perspective. He was a primary care doctor here in town, and almost all of his patients either had some sort of mental dementia or decline, or they were experiencing that in their families. It became such mm-hmm. a big concern. It really, in some areas, and Charlotte probably is, is definitely one of those areas, people are more concerned about their mental health, more worried about it than even cancer. So it's a really, really big oh. thing. And so 
The second half of the book is the pharmacy in your kitchen part of the book, and there's 40 recipes in there. Nothing nothing magical about the 40 recipes. It's just an example of what I consider nutrient-dense and really nourishing your body and probably a big switch for the way some people eat, but I didn't want to intimidate. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. want to – nothing's complicated. It's just – full of plants and nutrients and yeah I hope it just inspires people no matter if they're worried about their mental health or anything really like I said you can enjoy that book really to fight any of the diseases of affluence that we suffer from that's amazing well I'll be sure to link that in the show notes and while we're on the subject of resources do you have any I guess, final resources to share with the audience or where can everyone find you do you have anything coming up that you want to share about or final thoughts? I'd love for people to find me on Instagram. It's just pharmacy in your kitchen. And really the whole goal of that, honestly, is it's kind of like what you, you do with your Instagram, Heidi. I just want to inspire people and encourage people to really think about how and what they eat. So I don't, I only post once a week. I'm not going to bombard you with a whole bunch of things, but Mm -hmm. like if you want some colorful pictures of nutrient rich food and some recipes on how to make them, then I'm your girl (laughs) at Pharmacy. I've really enjoyed having you on and thank you. And I I know everyone's going to love this episode. Oh, it's been so fun. I'm so thankful that you asked me. Thank you, Heidi. One more thing before you go. Are you subscribed to Lifelong Podcast? Have you left a rating and review? Are you following along on Instagram at lifelong underscore pod and at holistic with Heidi? If you're not doing so already, consider doing it to support our show and to help spread this message near and far. Thank you all and we'll see you next week.